Hello everybody and welcome to Busy Playing Something, episode 28. We are Busy Playing Something Live. I'm your host for today, Sean or Holly DePrawn, and I am joined by a full panel this week in Joshua LaRosa and Ricky El Nizo. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this fine evening? Josh, yourself, how are you sitting there? You're happy? You're keen for next week, aren't you? You're very keen. Uh, I am very keen. Uh, what am I... Oh, God, boy. Yeah, I was going to say, what are you? What am I keen what? for? What? Uh, Even know Ricky what? knows. Come on, dude. You know, I, I'm I'm on media blackout, so I just try to avoid spoilers at all costs, which means like doing some psychotherapy to then not remember that the game exists. So then, when it does come out, bam, I'm there. I put myself in a Zoom meeting. I head to my local store. I pick up the game. I come back, check that my computer's still okay, that work still thinks I'm in a meeting, chuck it on the PS5, and let the install process begin. That's that's what we do on uh first party release day but sean i'm well how are you oh i'm good i'm good i'm uh i'm starting to take advice about god of war because like obviously uh i still haven't played the first one yet i've been pushing it back i'm probably going to play it this week leading up to it and just you know outdo myself with it but uh yeah just as a heads up if you are doing a media blackout for god of war uh don't google ben stiller lebron james and john travolta if you don't know what that reference is don't worry you don't want to know give it another week uh, otherwise ricky how are we doing today i'm good i'm good uh yeah had a, in, had a very full-on week um a lot of call of duty which has been nice and now yeah we're like we're in that in that zone it's november all the games are coming out everybody's everybody's keen we've been waiting all year pretty much i mean there's been a couple of triple a's since like Elden ring in february but we, we spoke about this last week. It's been a bit of a slow year, all, all told. But now we're ramping up. It's, it's, that, it's, it's Q4, baby. It's big game time. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, good, it's, it's a good time to be a gamer. I'm hey, happy. You did mention that you've been playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, which I will uh, ask a couple of questions a little bit later on. But firstly, I do want to get it stuck into something that we don't necessarily see here in Australia, although we have more and more over the last few years and that is halloween now gentlemen as our icebreaker for today i wanted to know what your thoughts are on halloween whether you're not you know you, you you go out and you do the trick-or-treating and or whether you have your parties or whether you you know i guess support or sponsor it i don't know I, I, i'm trying to get a vibe here so josh i'll start with you 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 sound like very much an anti-halloween type of person i look i've gone to many a Halloween party in the past and they're fun and I I never really used to get into the whole costume part of it until I met Nay and it's like alright well now we're doing like couple couple costumes but I think my overall experience with Halloween has not always been the greatest I, I remember as a kid you know kind of asking my parents and my grandparents uh, you know people you know my friends at school are dressing up in halloween and my I, I have this vivid memory of my grandmother looking at me and saying we don't celebrate satan here and that was it halloween was cut off for the cancel entire cancelled for the entirety of my childhood and i don't know if i've just become a bit curmudgeonly right i naomi was away on school camp no, she was out or something. I don't know if that was that day, but she wasn't home. So it was just me and it was Halloween night. And of course, people come trick-or-treating or whatever. I didn't realize how much I hated it until when the doorbell went off, I hid in the room 
just so I didn't have to confront this child and parent at the front of my house. I was so disinterested in having this conversation with this person and their child and giving them the candy. I don't mind... Afterwards, I thought, you know what, I probably could have done the whole, here's a bowl, don't knock. But uh, I don't know, I'm a bit... Out of all the holidays that we celebrate, you know, primarily here in Australia, um, you know, race day is another one that's a bit nowhere. But yeah, Halloween's not high on my list. I'm, I'm much more of a Christmas guy. I'm, I'm not the Grinch. I love Christmas, but Halloween... We don't celebrate Satan in this household. So, uh, yeah, that's that's Halloween for me. Isn't that fun? <laughs> yeah, sounds super fun. Like Halloween's <laughs> not even a holiday here in Australia. Like, we don't even get a day off. Instead, we get a day off for, you know, a bunch of horses to run around a track and a lot of people just getting absolutely uh, pissed in the day, which, like, I, I'm, I'm all for that. But don't pretend you're doing something better. Mm. You're not. You, you, you're getting pissed at the races. But, um, Ricky... Yourself, I'm yeah. guessing. I'm guessing for Halloween, I'm guessing it's for you. It's work. So, do do you see a lot of costumes about, or like, how do you treat Halloween? Uh, I I like Halloween. Halloween is. I mean, it's just an excuse to get drunk. Let's be real. Um, if you're an adult, uh, if you're a kid, a little bit different. Um, where I live, I was on the way to work Halloween night, and there was like heaps of like groups walking around my neighborhood. I live in a very like family orientated area of of melbourne so there was plenty of that i did feel bad for them because it was like storming pretty much all halloween day so they probably got a bit wet um but there was a lot of like i noticed like a lot of decorations and stuff up in my neighborhood which like i've always lived like in the city so i don't really see much of that but now i've moved out of the city uh into like the suburbs i've yeah there was a bit of it around but for like personally uh usually yeah just an excuse to have a night you know at work like one of the the venues that I used to work at, we used to hold the Halloween party for Crown. Um, and everyone would like finish up, get dressed up and then go out and, you know, have a bit of fun. This year, however, Halloween also fell on a public holiday Eve. So most of their clientele were working because we were all really busy that night. So I think this year's Halloween party was a bit of a bust. Um, but yeah, usually it was like all the staff at work would just get dressed up have a piss up have, have a bit of fun so yeah i mean it's it's a very americanized thing that we've adopted in the last like i'd say the last like five years ten years maybe mm. it's really taken off in australia um and i think it's only going to get bigger probably going forward and they're going to get worse from here yeah well i think that halloween is a, better. A, halloween's a little bit different to like your, your thanksgivings and that sort of stuff in america because yeah, I hear the the argument all the time that Halloween is American, so why are we celebrating it? And it's like, okay, yeah, I, I totally get that. But um, we also have McDonald's. And, and Christmas is a pagan holiday. Yeah. <laughs> we also celebrate fucking Christmas, which is like a European pagan thing. What the fuck are we doing? So like, you're not really sitting on anything but thin ice there on that argument front. Unless, unless you live in like fucking Slovakia or some shit, most of our holidays are not original. We stole them from someone else. Yeah, mm. and even the, the one like holiday that we do have during the year, Australia Day, we don't even want that one. We want it on a different day. So, yeah, I, I, I think th there's there's definitely something with Halloween. I, I like it. I like getting dressed up. So I ended up having a, a party at my place on, uh, on the Saturday night. So not on Halloween Day because I'm not stupid. 
and I wasn't going to do it on a Monday night. So I had it on the Saturday night, so I had a little bit of time to recover, and it was good. Uh, I had a bunch of people over. We had, like, a Halloween playlist going. We played some Jackbox. It was all good fun. So, like, that's that's kind of, like, an excuse where you can have be themed and dress up for me. And so I went as, a, like, I had a theme for the party, and it was, like, obviously spooky if you, if you could. If you didn't want to do spooky and you want to do something different, it was NPCs in video games or TV shows. So basically, you couldn't be a main character. And so, no idea. so, so I, I thought it was something different. I've got a couple of friends who are interested in that sort of thing. A couple aren't. It's like, yeah, that's okay. We'll get a mix, whatever. I ended up going as a white-run guard from Skyrim. The exact same one who says, I used to be an adventurer like you, but I took an arrow to the knee. And so I'm walking around in a white run outfit, like with the chainmail and all that sort of stuff. And I had an arrow sticking out of my knee. Nice. But just like something like simple like that. You don't have to go crazy, but. Yeah. I appreciate the costumes. I think if I had to change Halloween, if I had that power, God God help the world if I had that power, I would get rid of the (laughs) trick or treating part of it. I don't mind the costumes. I don't mind houses being decorated i don't mind parties but i just don't want people coming to my door and you know if i had kids i don't think there would be no way in hell i would have my kids walking the streets one that's first secondly there's no way in hell i'm walking the streets with my kids to knock on randoms you know houses to get get candy see them in the face yeah, if we could eliminate the human interaction part of it, the random interaction parts, and just keep it to, like, throw a party, have, you know, your kids, friends over, and, you know, all dress up, and something like that, I could live with. We just, we, you know, we need a new hashtag. Drop the trick-or-treating. That that needs to go. That's that's, that's first thing off the list. You know, you, you, you really are a curmudgeon, aren't you? Curmudgeon! See, Come on, yeah. I, I say. Don't, I don't mind the trick or treating, but if you don't want to participate, I think the best thing you can do, besides not have any Halloween, like anything Halloween on your house, if you if you just got an absolute blank house, you don't have the front light on, or at the very least, mm. you have one of those Halloween signs that you can find, you put up on the door and saying, if you knock on this door, you'll never be seen again. Mm. I'll just get a sign that we we don't celebrate Satan here. <laughs> No, you, Dark, just, you just you just get the the um the the welcome the, mat with that. It's the unwelcome picture of my mat. grandmother on the on the door. Yeah, <laughs> do it, do it, doing this, still like pointing at you, being like, oh, yeah. we don't, we don't stay off my cross, you fucking kids! How dare you? That's what you sound like. Yeah. All right. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. Without the swearing, I guess. Obviously, we got kids walking around, man. You got you got to think of the kids. Sorry, think of the kids. Sorry. Anyway, we are going to move on from Halloween. We're going to move on to a little bit of video games. There is a few video games to talk about. Uh, this week. Firstly, I want to have a look back and look at the games that we played over the last week. Now, for me, nothing special. I've been uh, con- continuing on my grind for uh, Old School RuneScape. We're doing a few more quests. It's been uh, actually really good fun. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get into things. I think I got my range today up to 30, which I can now, now opens up this other quest that I can do, which I was trying to do earlier for like Herblore experience and there's this whole thing. It's great. It's good fun. Anyway, Josh, what about yourself? I have I finished up Last of Us finally, so I can stop talking about that. I, that was nice to really take my time through it because I, I, I know the game like the back of my hand. I wasn't like, oh, what's going to happen next? You know what I mean? Uh, but besides that, I've actually spent a little bit of time watching a anime series called Fate Stay Night, 
which is based off an adult visual novel. Yep. <laughs> um, and I watched the se- well, one of the series maybe five, six, seven years ago, but I just had the urge. Like, I'm, I'm not a huge anime guy, but when I get into anime, like, I really, you know, fall in love with some key series. Like, Full Metal Alchemist, is, I, everyone knows, is like probably, it's rated always the best anime ever. Um, so I really enjoyed that. You know, things like Fate Stay Night, which I've watched the the prequel series, but now I'm watching Unlimited Blade Works for the first time, My Hero Academia. Like, those series I seem to really get into. But, um, yeah, so I've, I've started up that and got the whole journey. I want to go through. There's all, like, sub-stories and different series and spin-offs, and there's, you know, games on the Vita that i gotta got to get to. But, um, yeah, that that's really been me in a nutshell. I'm just on full blackout not wanting to do anything mode until ragnarok gets here but that that's about me all right and ricky you've already uh mentioned it a little bit earlier you've been playing a little bit of call of duty modern warfare 2 now there's a i do want to hear your thoughts first and then there's a couple of little things that i want to discuss afterwards about it but ricky yep. you have the stage i want you to give us your busy playing something review of call of duty modern warfare 2 uh, okay, so I've just spent the last week with Modern Warfare 2. I uh, finished the campaign. Um, and just before I get into the review, this is coming from a, a place of... I haven't played a Call of Duty campaign since Modern Warfare 3. So it's been a while. 2011. I've, yeah, I've, I've missed a few. Um, but yeah, I just... I, I don't know, something about the trailer, something about just like uh, this glut of, you know, massive action-adventure games that we've gotten sort of become have become the norm in the past like five years i just wanted something short that i know i could bash out in a few nights and from someone who has sort of left the genre behind coming back to it it was a really really welcome return i had a lot of fun with the campaign uh there was some issues and i'll speak to those later but it was it was like going back to this is probably a bad example but it's like going back to like a, a toxic x it's like all the stuff that you like, they know you like. All the stuff you know they like, you know they like. You know, it's like, it's just like riding a bike. It's like getting back in the saddle. Afterwards, maybe you feel a little bit dirty about what you just did. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, it was really, really good fun. Short so, and sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was literally like a, I think like a, it took me about 20 hours to finish the campaign, all told. And that was like on like the medium difficulty. I wasn't going to stress myself i do want to go back and play it at like the max difficulty but i just wanted to get through the story um and the story in this is it's it's very very standard modern warfare or a call of duty fair um it is i didn't sort of realize this until like only about a month ago that the modern warfare from 2019 and this weren't like either direct remakes or direct sequels to the original modern warfare trilogy they are like a reimagining with some of the same characters in remake play. yeah 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 like yeah so they were but it was just it was just fun like when i saw like uh price for the first time i was just like holy shit it's fucking it's price man i was so happy like you get to play soap again um ghost is there like it's just it was like going back to you know my late teens early 20s playing these games again um so there was uh there was a lot to like about it um the gunplay is still really really good like call of duty has been consistent with their gunplay it's really really tight uh, you, you can never fault them for that. It's just the repetitiveness, I think, of playing a game every single year may have gotten to some people. But the fact that I've had such a long bra- uh, gap between Call of Duty games, 
it was just really refreshing to go back to. Um, some of the issues I had with the game, uh, I think the last, probably the last two missions are where the game falls apart, which kind of sucks because you want that to be the big finale. Um, and that kind of left me with a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Um, and although the story is pretty standard modern warfare or Call of Duty um, yeah, fair, it, it kind of just ends. And there is like a sort of post-credits scene uh, after the game finishes up that made me very, very excited for where the game is going. But again, building an entire game around a cool post-credits scene is not really the way to go. So the ending definitely left me with some like, it was like, it was just sort of over and I wanted a bit more. So unfortunately, yeah, that was kind of the, the, the thing for me that held it back from being a great experience to come back to Call of Duty. But it was definitely a good experience to come back to Call of Duty. I haven't touched the multiplayer yet. Probably going to do that sometime this week if I get time. Uh, but yeah, I think overall, um, for anyone who's a fan of the series, uh, yeah, you're going to enjoy this. It's Call of Duty. It does all of the Call of Duty things right. The action set pieces in the campaign are really, really fun. Um, there's some really, really cool missions. There's some nice callbacks uh, to like all gillied up and, and um, uh, uh, Death from Above. Um, you get sort of like modern re like reinterpretations of those missions from older modern warfare games. So overall, it's a great experience. Um, if you're a Call of Duty fan, if you're someone like me who hasn't touched the Call of Duty for a while, maybe this might be the one to bring you back. It was definitely like an experience that uh, I'm definitely going to go back to. So I'm going to put it at a few stubby short of a six pack just for that ending just sort of fell off. But for the most part, it is a game that uh, definitely delivers on all of its, you know, Call of Duty promises. Now, the thing that's really intriguing about this iteration of Call of Duty, so Modern Warfare 2 has actually broken records. So it yep. is the highest selling Call of Duty game in the first three days of launch ever. And that's that, nuts. And that beats Call of Duty 3, uh, Modern Warfare 3, which was, Ricky, the last one that you played. So that had yep. $400 million worth. Uh, on the day one, $775 million over the first three days. This one has already broken 800. So there's, yeah, it's, it's a huge amount of money. Like, and it's kind of, and Josh, I'm going to, I'm going to lean into you for this one. It's kind of thrown the whole trajectory of Microsoft's acquisition a little bit because they're talking about how Call of Duty is not a must have game about how, mm. yeah, it's not nothing special about nothing it. Nothing <laughs> special. It's not considered one of the best things. We're looking more on mobile than anything before. And then Activision and Infinity War come out and say, yeah, by the way, uh, here's the best Call of Duty ever. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting timing. And the EU's just about to give the verdict on if they're going to enter into a stage two review of the deal, which is very likely to happen at this point. But yeah, it, it is a, it is funny to, to see, you know, microsoft say oh there's nothing to see here nothing special and then you know best selling call of duty game ever i don't know if you guys saw there was a a, a typo on the canadian physical releases of the xbox version of the game which lists uh the game as the best selling uh franchise on playstation <laughs> which was a, an interesting typo to have but yeah it, it's interesting right like it, it really does drive home the message that because this game's receiving mixed reviews right and i think few stubby short of a six pack or good on our scale is is 
basically mirroring a lot of what the reviewers kind of have to say out there. It's kind of having a look at the, the Metacritic of the game. It's sitting at a 77 uh, Metacritic with a user score of six. And I've been seeing a lot of sixes and, and you know early sevens from a lot of big outlets as well. But it just goes to show the power of Call of Duty. And it, it's very rare that you get a series where they're sub- brand or the sub-series within the series is just as popular as the main series and what i mean by that is call of duty is a powerhouse it's a name right but modern warfare is on that same level right so you've got call of duty and modern warfare coming together to, to kind of play at the the nostalgia strings and get those people back um especially coming off vanguard which sold light right i think that was one of the lighter selling brand or the uh, call of duty games so yeah it's definitely interesting to see and it's it's an interesting time for all this to happen with everything going on with the acquisition. But um, yeah, it's it's great to see people enjoying Call of Duty again from from what it seems. Yeah, I, I've been seeing a lot of content um, on, on whether it's YouTube or whether it's TikTok or anything like that. There's a lot of content about Call of Duty, whether that mostly multiplayer, but there's a couple of like little things about campaign. A lot of people that I've seen are saying don't buy this game purely because there's like one little bug that hasn't been fixed. Well... We wouldn't, we wouldn't call it a bug. It's more a design feature that they've intentionally put in and that's skill-based matchmaking. Yeah. And that's the big issue and that's something that's not only plaguing Call of Duty, it's plaguing every game online. Uh, I, like playing Destiny 2 for a number of years, skill-based matchmaking killed multiplayer for me because if you're playing against a bunch... So the idea behind is you play against a bunch of people. If you suddenly do really well in a, in a couple of games then all of a sudden you get bumped up to another tier and then you're up against sweats. Yeah. And they they just absolutely crush you every time, but there's no way to really drop back down. Like once you get there, you're there sort of thing. So it's one of the things that overall, especially with a, a multiplayer system that doesn't have rankings, it's very hard to kind of try and find a balance. And that's something that needs to be fixed. But otherwise, I'm, I'm actually interested in getting this uh, getting this Call of Duty because I like the Modern Warfare series. I, I think it's you know one of the better uh, storytelling series uh, from a campaign perspective early on, and now with the re with the remake and the the sequel, like I'm intrigued. So I guess Ricky, before we do move on, my final question yeah. is: Should you go out and buy this game? I think so. Yeah. If if you're a fan of the series, then it's a must buy. Uh, like I said, first one I've played for about 10 years, so can't really compare it to, say, like Vanguard, but everything that I've heard from, like, the last few Call of Duty games have been pretty subpar. I will mention, too, when you brought up the the number for the highest-selling Call of Duty of all time or the best launch of all time, that was a monetary figure. Yes. We do need to take into account that games cost more now. Um, $10 I'm pretty sure when, like... Since. $10 more. And I do remember a time when... You could go into, say, an EB Games and the disc version of a PC game was 10 bucks less yep. than the console version. Mm. So I think from a purely, you know, units out the door, units sold through all the digital marketplaces, this has probably sold less. Because I, I still do think that Modern Warfare 3 was the high watermark yep. um, for, like, physical, like, actual units sold. You mean 2.5? Yeah, and it's been and it's been going down ever since. Um, but I think just with like the fact that this cost me one hundred and ten dollars, no matter what I bought it on, there was no 
price delta across anything. Whereas back in the day, it used to be 100 bucks on console, 90 bucks if you got the disc for PC in store, but then it was still like 95 on Steam. It was kind of all over the shop. Whereas now gaming has now, at least in Australia, normalized to pretty much 100 or $110. Mm. So I think that may have something to do with this, uh, you know, higher sales we're seeing as a monetary figure. But from a unit perspective, I think it's still not sold as much in the same amount of time. We'll see what happens if it does, you know, take off and people are buying more and more copies as the weeks go on. If they're looking for something to play uh, for the rest of the year, if it's going to be a, a present for, for Christmas, for, a, you know, I mean, it shouldn't be for a kid, but let's face it, <laughs> parents buy these games for kids. Um so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it sort of lands uh, after, say, maybe like the three-month period compared to all the other Call of Duties that have come out in the last, like, decade. But, yeah, I think for anyone who's a fan of the series or just is looking for a really solid FPS, because uh, we haven't had too many in the last, like, couple of years. Uh, last big one to come out, probably Halo. And aside from being a lot of fun, kind of empty. And it's a bit of a shame. So, yeah, I think uh, it's just nice to have a good FPS. Well, I know it's uh, on on sale on PS5 and uh, Xbox Series for sixty nine dollars at Harvey Norman, so yeah, you can get it pretty yeah. cheap now. Yeah. Uh, the other thing too, I want to mention just before we, we move on. <laughs> yep. Um, I, I just I I wanted to go back and play the twenty nineteen Modern Warfare, and everywhere on PC it's still ninety bucks, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's a that's a three year old game. Why isn't it just a little bit cheaper? Yeah, just just I, wait I till it comes to the Game Pass. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, if this all go through, they'll just wait for Game Pass. Fuck it. <laughs> You're right. I'm just like, he's, I'm just thinking to myself. He's in a, in a Jim Ryan just came out and he just started bursting into tears. I just, I just yeah. thought it was like, yeah, it's a, wait till it comes to Game Pass. It's like, yeah, it's got to go through so many hoops. But like at the end yeah, of the day, we're all kind of like, it's coming to Game Pass. Just it's coming like, to Game just Pass. Just like, yeah, yeah like the deal's, go, the deal's happening. It's coming to Game Pass. Yeah. Just like, let it go. Let it go. Anyway, move so, on, right? Yeah. Speaking of yeah. moving on, we do need to move on because we do have the shoe report. We've got a couple, not just a couple, actually. We've got a few topics to talk about. We've got three topics this week, so we are going to try and not sprint through them, but we are trying to cover them as best as we can. And we are going to start off with the Marvel EA universe. Now, for those of you at home who don't know... EA Games challenge everyone is challenging everyone to buy some Marvel games that they are going to be developing over the next few years uh, in conjunction with Disney. Now, this deal covers at least three games. So we're not sure how many games there are, but it's covering at least three. Now, one of them we know is going to be an Iron Man game. This is going to be developed by EA Motive, who have worked on Star Wars Squadrons, as well as the Dead Space remake. So there's a little bit of ooh to that there. Uh, now, that's in early development. We found that out last month. It's in very early development. Now, there's a second game that's been reportedly brought up as a Black Panther game, developed by a new studio headed by former Monolith Productions boss Kevin Stevens. So he was the VP behind like the middle earth games like shadow of war shadow of mordor um even batman arkham city he had a hand in oh god yes so he's he's been he like those are the two major ones he's been part of a whole range of different games over the last you know 15 to 18 years yeah so 
with with that in mind, what are our thoughts initially on EA making a deal with Disney to make some Marvel video games? And not only that, have them as part of an EA Marvel video game universe. Ricky, you're already ready to just cringe, right? Uh, I don't know. It, uh, it's 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 an interesting move. Um, like this year has been the year of like take two brands and stick them together and you know see how that works out. People buying people everywhere. This is like the cherry on top of the shit Sunday that has been this year. Honestly, it's just like you take a company that's at least from a video game perspective not exactly batting a thousand um, lately. Uh, and you pair that with the company that's been voted like one of the worst companies to work for the last decade. I think they were like oh, three that's... or four times in a row as well. Like yeah, early yeah. 2010s. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's hard not to look at what EA did with Star Wars and just be like, wow, you fucked that up. Um, and now you give them Marvel. I just, I don't know what to really expect anymore. Honestly, like, uh, Iron Man game, that sounds cool. I can deal with that. Uh, Black Panther game, great. Love it. But the, the the specter of EA just hovering over that deal constantly, just like, it doesn't fill me with much confidence that we're going to get something groundbreaking or new or void of microtransactions out its ass. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that you know EA paid a lot of money good for them i hope they get some cool developers on board to actually develop these games and they're a fun experience for the player but based on just all of history i don't know i don't have much confidence in this deal now josh i, I mm. know you've got a couple of thoughts but i also want to throw in that uh, a quick question from me is do you think that this is in any way kind of um uh, pointing to how marvel has failed a little bit with Square Enix uh, and, and their ventures with Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy. And now they're kind of trying to find a development team and publishing arm for these sorts of games. And they've chosen EA. Yeah, I think that has a, a, a huge role in, in that, right? Like Marvel really partnered with studios and publishers that they think could bring the best out of their IP. You know, Insomniac with Spider-Man obviously is a, is a major success, but we're getting... Um, you know, Midnight Suns with, I believe, 2K. So they're working with them already. We've got the Amy Henning, Captain America and Black Panther game uh, in development. And I think out of... Look, I would have cringed, very similar to what Ricky d explained, maybe three, four, five years ago. But I do think EA have kind of turned a new, a new leaf or turned a corner in, in some of their work just kind of seeing you know i know um bioware have have kind of come and you know released anthem and then they did the mass effect Andromeda, and it's just kind of what what's going on there but they seem to be somewhat on track you know they remade or remastered the the original trilogy you know they're being very open with the development of um, dragon age and kind of updating uh fans as that goes through um and you'll remember in 2013 uh, Disney signed a 10-year deal with Star Wars with with EA, and that didn't go as planned, right? Like, the Battlefront games weren't well-received. Battlefront 2 was obviously 
a major part of the whole loot box kind of drama that, that carried across the world and even influenced change in laws in some countries. But I think they see the success of um, Jedi Fallen Order. And that game is it's still in the top 15 games sold each and every month. And it's been out for, for years at this point. It's a massive sales success. And I, I think that game was EA's turning point when they realized the importance of first per, uh, single player, third person, kind of more narrative driven experiences. And I think going into this deal, I think you, you will see these games um, be focused in single player and not have the microtransactions and not have all that. Because they're seeing, they've seen the success of Star Wars with with that game, right? And they've got Survivor on the way, um, which is is set to kind of be, you know, it's fantastic based on on the previous game. Um, and I, you know, you look at the the motive doing the work with Dead Space, and that's a series that's been dormant for years. And again, remaking a, a, a very beloved third person story driven single player game. I think EA get it. There is there is a need to have your apex legends in the world and there is a need to have your sport games in the world but they recognize there's also a need for your single player games so i'm excited i think motive uh, uh, it'd be great to see them try something new and not you know remaking of, of a beloved game but kind of you know thrown into the deep end to, to kind of work on an iron man game which you know isn't an easy thing to do. It's very similar why we don't get a Superman game with the whole flying and kind of you can go anywhere and how do you make a game around a character that can fly and, you know, seemingly can go everywhere. But, you know, Sean, you mentioned the the um, Warner Brothers uh, Montreal X uh, lead kind of heading up what is rumoured to be a Black Panther game. I can see it. Like, uh, 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 you know, after Gotham Knights, it'd be great to get a Arkham-style or, you know, Mordor-style combat system in a black panther game have that stealth there i think it just makes perfect sense so i think out of the big publishers out there i think ea makes the most sense i, I don't think ubisoft they're, they're definitely a shell of their former selves um you know obviously bethesda are tied up now with microsoft and they're a first party activision's going through everything that they're going through so and you know the japanese ones in square enix they sold the studios that were working on marvel games right so really where do you go and i think they've got a good balance of going to the smaller studios or the single studios that make one-off games um but yeah this, this deal with ea i think makes sense i think we'll, we'll we'll come out of this quite surprised with the games we get well that's me being hopeful anyway yeah like you know at the end of the day i do think that ea have done well with the star wars license so like as much as battlefront 2 absolutely sucked when it first started the gameplay, like the actual gameplay was still good. And then they did end up fixing it. At the end of the day, it's it's a game you can get on Steam for eight bucks and it's totally worth the price packet. The campaign alone is really decent for a first person Star Wars game. And then you throw in um, you know, Jedi Fallen Order and then let's throw in Star Wars Squadrons as well, which in terms of ship combat, like it was really good. Like for, for someone like myself, I even bought the joystick for it. Yeah, like, it was decent enough. So I'm, I'm ho not just hopeful. I'm, I'm pretty confident that we will have some decent games, and whatever Iron Man game comes out from, um, from uh, EA Motive, it's going to be a lot better than the original Iron Man game that came out in 2007. The PS2 one, yes, I, no, I no, had that on, game on, on, oh, on Xbox 360. Oh, I think it might have been uh, one of you know how like PS2 games, yeah, might have been the same, more. yeah. 
Yeah, I remember playing it on PS2. That was I'll get that one. I'll get that one here. Yeah. It's like... Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good. It's not good at all. But, um, yeah, I think with a lot of Marvel games starting to come to the forefront, so we've had... Yeah, um, yeah. No, okay, so Gotham Knights obviously DC, but and we've got Midnight Suns, which Josh mentioned. We've also got the Captain America Black Panther game. Don't forget Insomniac, Spider Man, Wolverine, Wolverine. So we're starting to like see, and I think this is this is part of a bigger picture, which I guess we'll talk about another time. But it's the bigger picture of the Marvel Cinematic Universe starting to spread out just that little bit more. So instead of just focusing on films and then having the TV shows and then having the animated TV shows, now I think we're going to start to see these IPs really get pushed into the video game sphere. PlayStation's already starting to do it the other way. But I think we're going to start to see Marvel coming more so in, into video games. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see, because we have Marvel Snap come out recently as a card game, I wouldn't be surprised to see an MMO down the track, yeah. similar to your DC Universe Online that's actually good as a Marvel still game. Still going, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, DC Universe Online is, is is really decent, and I know a bunch of people who still play it. And yeah. it's, a, it's a free-to-play game. Free-to-play game. They work. Anyway, we are going to move on from EA and Marvel. We are going to move on instead to a PlayStation. You see, Josh is already ready. He's got the colors. He's got everything. By the way, I did put my light on uh, during that because I was like, yeah, I'll go a little bit spooky for the Halloween start right at, right at, the, right at the top of the show. And uh, I never really had a chance to turn the light on afterwards. So it got a little bit dark. Mm. But anyway, um, the next topic of the shoe report is Uncharted. Is it coming back? Now, there is a couple of rumors out there in the wild that Naughty Dog and Sony's newest studio are co-developing a project based on a beloved franchise. Now, Naughty Dog only have a couple of beloved franchises that they have licensing to be able to do. One of those, which would make sense, is Uncharted, which the first game came out in what, 2006? 2007? Yeah. So it's been a while. If there was a game to have a remake out of Last of Us and Uncharted, you'd probably pick Uncharted, wouldn't you, Josh? That would make the most sense. And if you remember, we I think we reported it on this show as one of our shoe topics in the in the past, right? So there was the that visual arts service group. I think this was last year and Jason Schreier kind of broke that article. And that was when the whole Days Gone, you know, fiasco happened with, with that studio and the, the sequel to that game. But to kind of bring everyone up to speed of what happened there, there there's a studio called the Visual Arts Service Group, which are a support studio that... Do a lot of the mocap and animated uh, animation work for for Sony Sony games. So they partnered with Naughty Dog on Last of Us and Uncharted. They partnered with Santa Monica. They partnered with Kojima and Death Stranding. They that they hold kind of that 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 mocap studio and, and manage that. Um, so there was a team within that that apparently wanted to make their own game, and that was led by Michael Mumbauer, who's now no longer with Sony. And they began work on uh, an Uncharted One remake. And they quickly learned, all right, there's there's a lot in remaking a game that's, you know, over 10, 15 years old. So we'll we'll try remaking something that's a little bit more recent, something that we can kind of, you know, get our hands around a little easier. And that was the, the Last of Us remake. And they started development on the Last of Us remake, and then Naughty Dog caught wind of what was going on there, and, and Sony 
um, I guess rightfully so, said, look, if we're going to remake Last of Us, it's such an important IP, it should really be done with Naughty Dog. And that game was taken away from that team, and then we saw that team kind of dissipate, and Michael Mumbauer left, and then that, that you know, secret team out at San Diego turned out to really be nothing. Um, but it seems like that that's all heated back up again, and now that, that team's hiring, um, and it is, you know, that, that quote of uh, the partner... Uh, on an unannounced AAA game, co-developing an exciting new project with Naughty Dog on a beloved franchise. Now, it doesn't say one of their beloved franchise, but why else work with Naughty Dog? And it's clear through the Last of Us project and the Uncharted remake project, there's a lot of ties between Naughty Dog and this visual arts service group. And I was even thinking, if this game does kind of get off the ground... How would Sony market it? Would it be marketed as a Naughty Dog game? Would it be marketed as this new, you know, studio? Could this new studio be renamed to maybe, you know, Naughty Dog South or whatever they're based in, right? It's very similar to how Insomniac have different studios, but it's all Insomniac games. So I'm excited. I'm always been a fan for build new studios. Don't just buy them. Let's see, you know, let Naughty Dog work on something different that isn't Uncharted, that isn't The Last of Us. But I don't necessarily want to see those series go away. And, you know, I, I've said numerous times on this podcast, Sony are great at putting things on the shelf. And I think it's time. You know, last uh, Uncharted 4 was 2016. And I hope to God that this isn't a remake of the first one. I would love it because it's been a long time and that game is old. But I really do hope, and I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts on this. I guess we're all in agreement. It's definitely Uncharted. I don't think they're doing a Jack and Daxter sequel as much as I would well, love it. I wouldn't mind one, to be honest. <laughs> I wouldn't no, mind one either. Another yeah. crash, baby. Make it another crash. Nah, they don't but know. Activision's got it. With Uncharted, oh, yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah, that's part of the, the Activision Bosch. deal now. Mm. With Uncharted, the movie being so successful, um, you know, Uncharted 2016, Uncharted 4 coming to PC, and that's being successful. Um, I definitely hope it's a new Uncharted game. Now, Sean, Ricky, have you both played Uncharted 4 before I talk about what that looks like? What do you think? Okay, no. So I'm not going to spoil how, unless you guys want me to, how that would make sense. Um, but I, know, those I, know that, that, I know that there are that. Um, story hits where... I've got the remake right here. I don't know. Is this uh, not the remake? Is this not it? No, nah, that's not the nah, remake. That's the, uh, the Bluepoint collection. But anyway, uh, sorry, Sean. Uh, I do know... Okay, so I don't know the, the entire story of Uncharted 4 because it is on my to-do list. But I do know that at the end, there is an opening for future games in the series. Yes. And that not yes. just Lost, Lost Legacy. Lost Legacy, no, this is, yeah. And, and I won't spoil what happens, but yeah, the series is left on a note where um, the series could continue and it would be different, right? It might not necessarily be Nathan Drake being the main character. It could be, but it, it could very much not be as well. So I'm super excited to see where this one goes. But um, yeah, I guess, what are your guys' thoughts? Are you, you, you think it's time for Uncharted to come back, Ricky? Uh, yeah, I feel like, um, after The Last of Us 2, and obviously now that they've remade The Last of Us 1, um, Naughty Dog kind of feels like they're in a little bit of a holding pattern right now. It's like, what do we do next? I agree. I hope this isn't just a remake of a previous game. I would like to see something new. Uh, and, you know, we know Sony First Party love their third-person action-adventure games. So, let's make another one. Uh, but yeah, I... I feel like, what, tw say 2016, so it's been six years since, probably another two years before the game comes out, so we're looking at nearly a decade 
at oh, that even point. Even longer, two years before this it, is announced. Like, this yeah. is in, they're hiring yeah. people now. Yeah, so we're looking at a decade uh, until this is probably in people's hands. So that's that's enough time for people to go like, oh, I really miss that Nathan Drake guy. And then we get another game. PS6 so, launch, bam. Yeah, I mean, PS6, PS7, hell. No, nah, it wouldn't even be. Uh, or maybe a PlayStation Portal on PC by then. That'd be nah, fantastic. Be PS5 uh, Pro by then. Yeah, true. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's 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 not exactly it's high time for a new Uncharted game, but I think you're right. Sony are good at putting stuff on the shelf, leaving it there, letting it marinate, letting the audience miss it enough, and then dropping it at the right time, being like, hey, it's back, baby, and then taking all of our money. Stop it. All right. Sean. And I'll have, I'll have just enough time to play all of them before it comes out. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What are your thoughts, Sean? Like, um, how do you, what do you think is the importance of putting things on the shelf and then pulling them out at the right time? Like, do you think that's all, that has been Sony's strength in the past or not really? Or, you know, do you think it's a good thing? Should they be working on something new? What are your thoughts? I think Sony's, Sony's strength is being able to put things on the shelf and then say, look at our shelf. I don't think yeah. their strength is taking things off. I think it's to say, look what we've done in the past. Trust us going forward. And like so, Disney. yeah, a little, a little Disney, Disney's a little bit different because Disney still re-release stuff and Disney plus kind of allows you to have that. But with now. play, yeah, now, but with PlayStation, it was never about, we want to release this game on PlayStation one and then, okay, now we're going to remake it or make a sequel in PlayStation three. Like, I don't, I don't think that's their game plan. I think their game plan is to, to make good games and then say, yep, cool, we've made that good game. Remember how we made that one? Yeah, so here's the new one. And I think that that's kind of what they've done going forward. But now we're at a stage where especially, I, I know it's been a while, but especially with COVID and the nostalgia bit making a comeback and the fact that we haven't had too many new IPs, everything's kind of been regurgitated in a sense over the last maybe five to 10 years where it's all the same stuff. So now when you've got an opportunity where you can go back and look at you know your previous IPs for older than that, like now, now is a good opportunity. And I think the dots align for Uncharted to be that game because not only have you been able to release it to PC as a collection, so we've we've got we've got it on PC now. So you, you've opened it up to a new player base. We've got a film with Tom Holland, who's in everything right now, with the option for a sequel. Last of Us is getting a TV show. We don't need to worry about that. Last of Us is fine. We don't even. I mean, need... January fifteenth, yeah. my wedding anniversary. Yeah. See, we don't even need. What a gift. Uh, yeah. What I a know. Gift. Fuck me. Thank you. Thank you, Shu. Thank you. We don't even need a Last of Us three for another yeah three years. Like, we don't even need to think about it because we'll have a TV show. We'll be wondering where season two is. So if Naughty Dog was to focus on one of their IPs, as much as the nostalgia in us would say Jack and Daxter is the best one to go for, all signs are pointing to Uncharted. Yep. And so that's... that. Uncharted. Uncharted. Yeah. Uncharted. Guys, come on. Long. The first game yeah. came out a long time ago. Came out before trophies were a thing. Yeah, Tom, yeah, Tom back and, yeah, I beat the, I beat the game. I was like, "Yep, I'm done. See you later." And then PlayStation's like, "Oh, by the way, here's some trophies, bro." And yeah. Then, what? I got to play it through again. And then it came on PS4. Yes. It's like got to play it through again. Like, yes. Nah. 
Yes. It's the same Always. game. It's all repetitive. Always. Anyway. And I'll play them eventually. Yeah, eventually. Just like God of War and Horizon and all the other I'll play, PlayStation I'll play God exclusives. of War. <laughs> I, know what I know what we're up to come next week. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm on it. It's good to have at least one other person on here that knows what's going on. <laughs> I know what's going on. I just don't know what's going on in the game. Oh. Sorry, give me a week. I'll, I'll, I'll bite. So, up. We'll see. Kratos is a guy from Greece and hey, he actually right. ends up in. <laughs> hey, look, I got all the spoilers I needed when I Googled Ben True. Stiller. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> we'll stop there. All right. We are going to move on from talking about PlayStation. We're going to be talking about the another group that we've actually spoken about already in this podcast, and that is Square Enix. Now, we've spoken a little bit about them in the past, about how they were selling off some of their studios. They were selling off some IP. They were getting ready to gear themselves up to be purchased. That's starting to look like it's becoming a reality. You heard it here first on this podcast. And as a reward to us for breaking the news, you should like and subscribe to the show, to the channel. Make sure you do. If you haven't already, click that little thumb in the bottom. May as well bring that up right now. But so, before we do it, yeah, we want you to, to, to share, right? And, and use the hashtag... Hashtag we don't celebrate Satan here with all your posts. That's the that's the that's the thing moving forward. Or else long, Hall- Halloween was so last month, dude. Can we no, we gotta no, find a way of shorting it, but we'll we'll, we'll think no, of something. Can we get a custom a custom hashtag where it's like got the little devil horns? You know, I'm working on it, leave it with me. Okay, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll work it with out. you. But anyway, <laughs> back to the news at hand with Square Enix. So Square Enix published its annual report for shareholders and it includes a lot of details about the company's future strategy directly from the CEO. Now, there is a lot of information here that we already kind of figured out, but it's always good to see these sort of reports because then you, when you hear it from the horse's mouth, you know that your thoughts are true. And that's kind of, it gives you that self-belief, for us at least. So... There's a couple of points here that we're going to talk about. The first one I want to talk about is that growth is difficult for companies that compete primarily in the Japanese market. So it's critical for Square Enix to produce hit games that speak to the global market, offering greater scale in terms of customers and sales volumes. Now, before we move on, I want to dive right into that one because didn't Square Enix sell all of their Western-based studios and they're now they've only got Japanese studios and they're only focusing on Japanese games right now? I don't know. I seem confused. I, Josh, do you, do you want to... I believe, I believe we covered that at some point this year. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. What, it what seems you, familiar. What are you thinking, Josh? Do you, what, what's going on? It really, it really doesn't make much sense, does it? But <laughs> it, 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 Square Enix don't make much sense because they often said that their western games never met expectations like it was famous when tomb raider was rebooted and sold quite well and they're like well it didn't meet expectations and the same thing with guardians of the galaxy and the same disappointment was shared with avengers and it was like all right well all right we're gonna sell and in my mind it was like okay so square enix want to go back to their roots right back to squaresoft days and focus on japanese centric games right okay that makes sense and then the CEO comes out and says, well, uh, you know, we can't just make games with the Japanese audience. And then in my mind, it's like, why are you releasing a game called Project Triangle Strategy? <laughs> if you don't want, if you want it to appeal to the world, maybe not name your games 
in a way that makes it sound like it was put together by a random word generator. How about that for, for an example? But in saying that, they do have some mega IP. Final Fantasy as a series, right? It's coming up to 30 plus years history, has sold over 173 million units, right? Across all the games, across the, 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 the IP, right? That's huge. Final Fantasy 14 alone has more than like 26, 27 million active users. So that, that, that series is huge, right? And that's going to be their, their, their key pillar. Dragon Quest, another series, 85 million units, another long time Square Enix IP. Even series like Kingdom Hearts has sold 30 plus million units, right? So they've got IP that do trend to both the Japanese and wider audience, but these are very expensive games. These are like, and the reason that's, and that's why they appeal in the sense where, you know, a game like, I don't know. Well, another Final Fantasy-esque game being made by another Japanese studio does not have the budget of Final Fantasy. And you just look at a Final Fantasy 16 trailer and just go, whoa, like this thing's got money thrown at it. And even the Kingdom Hearts 4 trailer and Dragon Quest 12 is going to kind of be like a spiritual reboot of the series that looks like it's going to be more darker and grounded. So they're, they're definitely you know, re re adjusting their strategy, but I don't know, in my eyes, what makes Square Enix, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts, is what makes Square Enix popular now and what makes Square Enix appealing for people is that they're a Japanese studio and publisher making games in that style. I don't know. Sean, what what do you think? Am I off there or I I think Square Enix is seen as a Japanese developer and publisher especially now after you know selling some of some of their major contributors to western ips like your tomb raider and your deus ex and that sort of stuff it just it doesn't make sense when you like from an overall perspective we'll we'll touch on in a second but from an overall perspective it doesn't look good when you're selling out your main pathways into the western market and then saying yeah so we want to get to that western market yo like mm. it, it just uh, like it screams that you've you, you're undefined in what your Calculated. actual vision is. Yeah, you got no idea what's going on. Uh, like, so Ricky, I, w- I want to press the question to you. Yeah. Out, out of all the Square Enix games that are available, all of the games on the market, like which ones do you play? At all? As a, yeah. I would say, as I would say, as a Western person big fucking donut on that one son so not even a kingdom hearts um no no not even a final fantasy <laughs> we've we've had these discussions i know i'm not a weeb um but no i just like nothing deus ex no you played the avengers right no why the fuck would i play that game at you shit? play it on your your playstation to get your exclusive spider-man no. character no oh yeah is that no. here it's spider-man no, yeah. here Coming, no. coming, gone. Wait, oh, coming gone. really? Um, I didn't even know. Yeah, no, I just go. I think for like like core Square games, no. Periphery Square games, I've probably played a couple, um, like not made by or not published. Publi- published by, not developed by. Yes, yes, um, but I've definitely not played any that are just like. I'm looking at their their Wikipedia page now and all of the the games and it's just a, a wall of final fantasy games to be yeah. honest with you um and then like a few like octopath traveler and um that sort of stuff thrown in the mix but yeah they're not a, a game 
company that appeals to my sensibilities when it comes to games that I want to play. Nothing they've ever released has sort of caught my attention beyond being very confused watching a trailer at a Nintendo Direct or a, or a Sony showcase. I'm just like, yes, that was a lot of that was a lot of colors and a lot of movement, Things. and I didn't understand any of it. Yeah, that was a mother crystal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Why is why is fucking Mickey Mouse talking to that anime boy? Very why is, confusing. Why is he wielding a big key? What's going on? Yes, there? exactly. How's that supposed to hurt anybody? Um, what door does it unlock? Yeah. And if you say if you say the door to your heart, I swear to but God, it's true. Swear <laughs> to God. Um, but no, I just like like it is an interesting press release where they're just like, we need to appeal to a global market. Sure. But we just mentioned it. So you sold off all your goddamn Western-facing companies to other people. And now you're just like, shit, we need to get into the Western market. How do we do that? Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Do we have any Western studios left? No, we sold them? Shit. Um, I don't know. Like, okay. But honestly, like, if you look outside of the Japanese sphere, where you've got you know, your JRPGs and they're very rich in lore and they're you know, just there's a there's a bit of a barrier to entry for a lot of people. Over in the Western market, what it, what sells most? Shooters and sports games. That's like Free the play, core of the Western market. And yeah, and multiplayer games. Um so that's like if they want to enter that market, A, you're entering it very, very late in the game. But we have that over here. You you guys have the market cornered, albeit it is a smaller market in the West for those ridiculously like huge scope sort of games like they corner the market on that everyone over here like that is aware of square enix at least like i'm someone who's never played the games but i know what final fantasy is i know what octopath traveler is i know what near is i know all these games because they're so prevalent because there's nothing else like that being developed at a western studio or if there is it's a derivative of something square's been doing for 30 years yeah so it's it it is hard for them. I can see why they're being like, you know, we're 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 cornering ourselves, but at the same time, it's like no one else does what Square does. Yeah. So maybe it's not a development thing. Maybe it is just a marketing thing. Work out how to very put good, on showcases. Very, well, very very good point. It, it, that yeah. are just confusing flashes of light, and you have a fucking seizure every time you watch a trailer. Maybe just find a way to market these games better in the West to get people like me excited to play these games. Well, so that kind of leads into the next couple of points that I did want to mention regarding this story. So the CEO actually came out and stated the reasons why a lot of those Western studios were sold. And that's because they were working on big IP. They were big studios working on big IP. A lot of money was sunk into it. But the thing is, because they owned those studios... There was like they had a hundred percent of the risk. Yeah. So they owned Crystal Dynamics. So if Crystal Dynamics fucked up, they like they were wearing it. There was no kind of like way there they can I guess share the blame or share the load in a sense. And that's where they've come out and said that that's what they're going to be looking at going forward. So to summarize what uh, the CEO has said. Effectively, what they're looking at doing is purchase, possibly purchasing uh, or having purchased small parts of other companies and taking a stake in. So that way they can have a say. They can get funding from elsewhere or provide funding, but it's kind of like shared and it's all part of this all little collaborations everywhere. 
So that way, it's no long, you're no longer thinking that, okay, so Final Fantasy is probably going to be Square Enix moving forward. But, you know, your next Octopath Traveler, it's now no longer just Square Enix. It's Square Enix and Embracer Group or something like that. And so at least working with that, the risk is kind of mitigated in a sense, whether it's like it's a 50-50 split or whatever, depends on the game. But that's kind of what they're looking at spreading their portfolio for. Now, Embracer Group has done that. Tencent does that. A lot of these large conglomerates, they don't own, they necessarily own 100% of the companies that they buy. They own percentages. But that's enough for them to have influence, but enough for them to provide funding. Now, Josh, yeah. you've got thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that's definitely the way they go. And I think Ricky's point on the marketing is a huge, huge play as well. I think the way that Square Enix appeals to more of a Western market as well as the Japanese market is done in three ways. One is the marketing of these games, right? I think they need to establish some sort of, or if they haven't already, having a, a better presence in marketing in Western territories where their marketing makes sense for the, for the market that they're marketing to. I know it's a lot of marketing. Marketing. Um, which they don't do, right? Because you watch a trailer and, and to Ricky's point, I like it because it appeals to me that has that inner wee, but you know, it, it's not always always the way. Two, I think it's redefining what their series is. And I think those killer key pillars of Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, Kingdom Hearts um, are series that are going through that. Like Final Fantasy 16, as much as it still has the Mother Crystals and Summons and all that, it's got a very Western Game of Thrones kind of medieval feel to it that appeals more to this this market. Um, very Game of Thrones-esque, if, if that means anything, right? Like it's got that going for it. So I think it's the marketing, it's the way that they redefine their games. I think all these series are going to go through a gameplay shift. I, I will guarantee you the next Dragon Quest game, once it gets revealed, won't be turn-based. It will be real-time action, very similar to what happens in Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy. Because I think that's that's the way that they appeal to that market and still have the smaller studios do your Octopath, Traveler, Live Live, all those smaller turn-based RPGs. But their, their pillar franchises probably need to become more action-focused because really that's what a lot of players now want. The idea of a turn-based RPG, whilst appealing, is a more niche, slower-paced experience that some people may, may find boring. And the third part, the way that they can kind of help those two things happen and and kind of, not, to Sean's point, not where the risk is diversifying their investments. And what that would look like is, for instance, I'm hoping it isn't a, a big conglomerate like Tencent or anything like that, but I think the two the two brands that make the most sense would be Nintendo and Sony and, and PlayStation taking... Very similar to how PlayStation owns some... Comes, um, some say in from software's parent company, right? So Katakao, I believe. Um, so that they're, they're partially owned by Sony. So it, it makes sense where I don't think, I don't think Square Enix is going to be purchased outright anymore. Right. And the reason why I think that they, they still want to have that control it seems that they're not wanting to walk away from game development. They don't want to sell up shop, but what they want to do is help mitigate risk. And I think it works in Sony's favor in the well as well um, because, you know, they're seeing the scrutiny that Microsoft's going through with Activision. And if they were just to invest in these studios and be, you know, partial stakes in these studios, enough to have a say, enough to be a, a seat at the table, enough to get exclusive games from Square, which they're already getting, that is enough. It's not Why a buyout. The... 
yeah, why own the cow when you can just have the milk, right? Like that's that's the analogy that that comes to mind, which I know it, it, it's apparently an old school sexual thing, but I it just makes sense when you're trying to explain um, what that is. So I hope it is that. And it's funny, I went through and had a look um, at, because, you know, it's common knowledge that people think Sony's going to be the one to acquire um, or, or take partial ownership in some of these studios, right? Especially the, the big Final Fantasy studios, the Dragon Quest series, all, all those games that are really PlayStation exclusives anyway. Um, and it's funny, the two major shareholders for uh, both PlayStation and Square Enix, right? So the, 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 the master, the, the, basically the Bank of Japan has 20% or sorry, 18% uh, majority share in Sony stakes, right? And then when you look at Square Enix, they own 15%, right? So they're, they're a major player. So it's kind of like there's already synergies with PlayStation Sony going from a sharehold level to a relationship level to a marketing perspective. And say if that was to happen, right? And Sony, you know, in, invested in some of Square Enix's studios, primarily focused around those big IP. That helps my, uh, Square Enix on all three fronts that we established. It helps them get insights on how to to modernize their games, getting support from PlayStation in terms of, you know, maybe how to how to change things and develop IP and move things forward in a way that that appeals to the Western audience. So it does that. From a marketing perspective, they have, I think Sony do the best marketing or promotional material out of all the big publishers, right? Their, their ads are, you know, we joked about the God of War ad that launched today, but Sony advertising even the way that they show a controller and the dual sense and the you know the little sacred symbols shaking and you're feeling the bow and arrow like they do really cool ads um and and promote very well um and the third bit is is obviously diversifying the risk where they they're not wearing all that so i definitely think square enix are gearing up for some sort of investment stake the way that they've just launched so many games this year unbelievable like to have final fantasy 16 and 7 remake part 2 seemingly launched within the same year is unheard of and then have other games like valkyrie elysium and all harvest stellar and all those other smaller games come out this year it's just like they're really blowing their load so to speak gauge interest and i think we'll definitely start seeing uh sony maybe nintendo and some of their smaller studios um but i wouldn't be surprised if we do see the likes of Tencent or, or some other Chinese conglomerate um, kind of taking maybe minority stakes in, in Square Enix. But that, that's my kind of view on it all. Okay, so with all of that in mind, Ricky, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you for the for the last point in this story. Please. So <laughs> that one up, buddy boy. With all, with all of that in mind, what do you think Square Enix needs to do in order to appeal to a gamer like you? Um, I was kind of thinking about this while, while Josh was waffling on about stocks and stuff. Three-step three um, processes. Three-step processes, yeah. Maybe, like, just to start with something as simple as... Like, I think the Pokemon company do a very good job of this. Like, the, the 10 to 12-minute, like, walkthroughs. We've had a bunch of them for Sword and Shield... Oh, not Sword and Shield, sorry, uh, Scarlet and Violet. Just, like, someone just explaining what's happening on the screen. And just being like, this is your new Pokemon and you can ride it. And it's a, it turns into a motorcycle and shit. But just having something like that for something as seemingly a tough barrier to entry, like jumping into a 
a Nier game or a Final Fantasy game or whatever, Dragon Age game or Dragon Quest, sorry. And just sort of breaking it down and going like, all right, here's your hub world. Here's the enemies. This is how the combat works. Um, this is, a, you know, an idea of what the story is going to be like. Um, you know, just sort of not giving us a 45 second trailer in the middle of a Sony showcase or a state of play. And it just being this onslaught of information all at once and just being like, what the fuck just happened? I have no idea. It looks cool and it appeals to that side of your brain that's just like, ooh, colors and shapes, yay. But at the end of it, you're just kind of like, I have no idea what, idea what type of game this is. I have no idea what I'm getting into. Why am I shelling out potentially 80, 90, 100 dollars to play this game? Should I be? I don't know. But doing that sort of like really simple, like sort of gameplay breakdowns that, I mean, Nintendo do it for most of their games now. You'll have like a really simple, like even Mario and Rabbids got one. Um, but just appealing to the dumbest person in the room. And right now that we'll, we'll assume that that's me when it comes to like a lot of JRPG stuff. No contest. Give me an, yeah, give me an idea. Give me a real basic rundown of like what I'm expecting to play, not just colors and shapes. So, I mean, that's a start. As for anything beyond that, I don't know. I don't have a marketing degree, so I can't really speak to that too much. But um, I think just treating the Western market like you're coming to us for the first time again. Start fresh. That might be, yeah, that might be a way to go and, and to get people involved. Like obviously, you know, remaking uh, Final Fantasy Part Seven is going to be a gateway because everyone I've heard of Final Fantasy Seven. Everyone has. Anyone that's been in the gaming space on the peripheries has heard of Final Fantasy 7. And even to me, I'm just like, maybe I should check it out just to see what it's like. But is it daunting to consider that? I mean, when they said, oh, we're going to break it down into three parts, me not realizing that was like not three chapters that were going to be released sequentially over the course of like a year, but three separate full, fully realized games. Again, that's all of a sudden really fucking daunting. What about me. the I'm just part like, oh, where... shit. What about the part where these games, as much as they are remakes, they actually are sequels to the movie that launched Advent Children in 2006? Again, you just, yeah, you're going and back. And the, the villain is actually, yeah. knows what happened in that and has actually come back and it's a all kind of <laughs> sequel remake at the same time. <laughs> Again, you're putting up barriers to entry. Stop it. All right. Square, why? Okay, so... We will. We've got one more thing that we do want to talk about with Square before we do move on to the to the rest of the well, the end of the show. And Ricky, I'm gonna put this question to you because I think you're the best person to answer this one. Oh, I definitely am. Glad to see that you read the notes. So basically, <laughs> um, the CEO of Square Enix has moved on to talk about the blockchain. Uh, and oh no, I am the best person to answer this. Yep. Has been identified as the most important factor among the AI, blockchain, and cloud focus identified in the company as part of its medium-term plan. Now, we kind of knew that the blockchain would be part of it. We kind of thought that it was stupid that the blockchain would be part of it. Ricky, how much do you think the blockchain chain should be part of it? <laughs> I mean, it depends on their implementation of the blockchain. But for fuck's sake, can we just stop? Can we just stop with the blockchain? I've had enough. I'm over it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, again, without any context of what they're actually using the blockchain for, like, is it as simple as 
fucking little like NFTs you can get inside of games? Is it collectibles? Is it actually verifying your digital copy of the game so that you can move it across uh, platforms or consoles without having to like re-download a fucking Steam key or sorry, a, a, a CD key or something like that? Like just saying yeah. the blockchain, companies love this right now. It's just like the blockchain, it's meta, it's AR, it's VR. What the fuck is your implementation? You can say these buzzwords as much as you like, but until you actually tell us why you're using the blockchain, we have no idea. Are you going to be fucking shilling this goddamn cryptocurrency, Final Fantasy coins? Like, you need to be more specific when it comes to shit like this. Like they've said as, across the three factors, like AI, blockchain, and cloud, fuck the blockchain off. Focus on cloud. That, I think, is more important. Being able to give your uh, consumers the game wherever they access it is I think way more important than like moving your game onto the blockchain for whatever fucking reason you're doing it for. So look, I'm sure they got something in the pipeline when it comes to the blockchain. It could be something as silly, like I said, as little fucking in-game collectibles that are yours because the blockchain says so. But again, I'd, without any context, it's really, really annoying to see these buzzwords pop up, but it's a marketing you know, dump. So of course they're going to mention it. All right. We are going to move on. You can calm down, Ricky. It's okay. It's over now. I hate the blockchain. So <laughs> we're going to change. Still don't even know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to. I no, 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 no. No, I'm saying, I'm saying I've explained it to you before on the podcast. Go back and watch. Yeah, go, ba go back and watch one of our previous podcasts. You can find all of our previous podcasts actually right here on YouTube. So make sure if you haven't already, like and subscribe to the video. Man, I, ju I just set them up. Sean knocks them down. I love it. See, I'm back, baby. I'm back. Yeah. Anyway, we are going to change tact. We do have our Twitter poll results for our Twitter poll of this week. Now, it was relating to Uncharted. And Uncharted. Do, and do you think Uncharted. PlayStation will return to the Uncharted franchise in the next five years? 92.9% .9 of people said yes. That's a big one. Yep. Now, Josh, we're going to go quick round. Josh, yes or no? Most definitely, yes. Ricky? Yes. Yes for me too. I, I do think so. Yep. Um, now we do have another quiz, uh, Twitter question coming up. Twitter question coming up. It is going to be relating to Game Pass. We don't have the question as of yet, but uh, there is going to be a trending hashtag, which was hashtag Josh was wrong. I want to get a little icon next to that hashtag, Josh. Mm. So make sure you well, check out. Make sure you check out. Just, <laughs> just the face you're making right now. <laughs> so it's the face of someone who is correct. There's just the world is going to take a few years to, to uh -huh. catch up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So okay. Uh, make sure you do check out our Twitter account, Busy Underscore Playing. If you haven't already, you can also find all of us right there next to Ricky at Budget Seth Rogan at Joshua Larosa and at Holly Deprawn. So you can find us all there. Make sure you do follow us. We do post occasionally. Now. I'm going to talk about the last bit before we wrap up is some upcoming games for this coming week. I've picked three major ones that I think we should talk about. The first one is Harvestella, uh, which is being uh, developed and uh, produced, well, produced by Square Enix, developed by Square Enix and Livewire Inc. Comes out on the 4th of November, which is this Friday. Uh, it's coming to Switch and PC. We also have Sonic Frontiers by Sonic Team. That is coming out on the 8th of November on Xbox, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Switch, and PC. And lastly, we have God of War Ragnarok 
by Santa Monica Studio comes out the next day. Oi. 9th of November for PlayStation mm. 4 and PlayStation 5. Now, baby. I'm guessing you guys are both keen for God of War. I'm super interested to see what happens with Sonic Frontiers and what that, mm. and what that reception than, would be. Watch More the user curiosity. score be here yeah. and then the review score be like, Okay. We, should we do our medical? Is, yes, we are doing. I, we're not doing it for God of War because fuckers, no. you'd all say nineties. So nineties. It's going to be nineties. So sure. Sonic Frontiers. Okay. Where do we think it will sit in the reviewers' pipeline or the reviewers' score overall? So not user. Uh, this is critic score. Yeah, 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 fuck the users. On Metacritic. So Ricky, I'm going to start with you this time. I'm going to be probably more lenient than I should be, but I'm going to go with a 72. 72. Okay, keep in mind that a 72 is higher than Gotham Knights? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Josh, what about yourself? I'm going to go with 70. I think we're going to see the the reviews be gameplay's fun, heaps of bugs, you know, plenty to be ironed out, but you can find some fun here. I think it's going to be a 70. Okay. I'm a little bit more optimistic. I, oh. I'm, I'm thinking 77. Okay. Ooh. That'd be good. Okay. It's, okay. Yeah. And the reason being is because as much as everyone was talking shit about it when it was first announced, and then we saw the video and it was even worse, <laughs> talking mm-hmm. to people at PAX who played it, they were so keen for this game. The, okay. the one issue that they had with the game was it was coming out the day before God of War Ragnarok. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you've um, you've not done yourself any favours there, yeah. Sonic. Yeah, well, look, Skull and Bones did the right thing. Yeah, Skull and Bones got the fuck out of the way. <laughs> they got, hey, yeah, yeah, they got yeah, out yeah. of Dodge pretty quick. Uh, it gives something for those Xbox players to play, eh? Yeah, yeah, it gives them something to do. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. we are going to wrap up the show for this evening this has been episode 28 of busy playing something live i've been your host sean for today joined obviously by ricky elnizzo and joshua la rosa you can find us on any social media platform such as facebook twitter instagram uh you can find us on spotify you can find us on uh what else is there google podcasts apple podcasts and anywhere you do yep. listen to those you can find all of us as i said earlier on our twitter accounts budget seth rogan at joshua la rosa and at holly deprom and gentlemen, before we go, I'm going to leave you with one final note. This is uh, my final thought. Something to consider over the next week. Is God of War overrated? Oh, you bitch. Have a think. Just really have a think. Anyway, I'm going to leave you with that. Thank you very much for watching. Hopefully you did enjoy today's show. And uh, Ricky, I'm going to let you sign us out. Um, uh, bring a PlayStation portal to PC. Oh, well. Yeah, go. seems old. Yeah. See you later.